temptation fills our lives. It does. And we all face it one way or another. Franklin Jones said this. He said, what makes resisting temptation difficult for many people is that they don't want to discourage it completely. And it, it's right. I mean, it's like, it's like we want to be tempted, but not very much. I mean, you know, just, just enough, you know. But the, the truth is, we, we see from God's Word that we can have victory. We talked about this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, such as common to man. I mean, words, what's going on in our lives is common. God is faithful. I think if you took the verse and just said anything else, you just said, God is faithful. What's He faithful to do? He's not, he, he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able, but He'll provide, with the temptation, provide a way of escape. So God says, listen, when you're tempted in a fallen world because you're a fallen person in a, in a whole system of the world, I've provided a way. I'm faithful to provide a way. You'll never be tempted beyond what you're able to deal with, but I will make a way of escape. Now, the truth is, most of the time we don't follow that way of escape. We saw, we saw David, and he had the opportunity. All he had to do was to run and go back inside. We saw Achan when they came into the city, and he saw all that stuff. All he had to do was say, I know I'm not supposed to touch that. i got to go on. We saw Eve when she was told that that fruit looks good. You should eat it and make you like God. She should have said, I, I'm, I, don't have to, I don't have to. And so we're, we're seeing all of those things. Uh, I, I like the look at the end of this. Notice it says, the way of escape. And sometimes the best thing to do is to flee. One of the keys to avoiding falling into sin really is to flee. Second Timothy 2.22 says, flee youthful lust. And of course, it doesn't mean that the, only the young people have youthful lust. It's just the lust that starts when you're young and goes all the way through your life. And we see these pulls. This morning, we're going to talk about Joseph. Most of you know Joseph. Most of you know who he is. You know about him. He, uh, he actually runs out of a house to avoid a, a temptation or to stop a temptation from going any further. In this lesson, we're going to see how to gain the victory. So there's some great things. Let me remind you of what we've been seeing. We said, what is temptation? Is temptation sin? Where does it come from? We've been seeing what is temptation? It is the pull to do wrong. It cut, it's the enticement to go against the Word of God, to go against the truth. Is temptation a sin? The truth is no. Uh, Jesus was tempted in all points yet without sin. So we can be tempted. Uh, we can be tempted to say, look over there. We can be tempted to, to lie. We can be tempted to do something wrong. But that doesn't mean that that's sin. That means we're tempted. And we've seen that where does it come from? It comes from, uh, it, it, the old saying is, stimulated from without, but comes from within. That whole idea of the world and the flesh and the devil and all of that. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, it says, we were dead in trespasses and sins. We walked according to the prince of power of the air. We walked according to the world. So there's that battle going on, a, 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 an evil being controlling a world system affecting us. That's what we see. Then we saw the progression. You see something, you want it, you take it, you hide it. Where, where, where's the place to stop? If, if you see something, that's not bad. If you say, oh, no, that, that's still, but to take it. And so we could say this, and we could stop that progression. Uh, because even a desire, a, a pull, a desire, a temptation is not necessarily sin. There may be sometimes something that you're desiring may be, it already may be into the wrong aspect. But the idea is you see it, you want it, you take it, you hide it. The bottom line is if you could just stop that progression. And we're going to see what Joseph did to stop the progression. We have seen already three failures. Eve what? She saw the fruit. She wanted the fruit. She took the fruit. 
She hid the fruit. She saw it because it, was, it looked good. She wanted it because it would make her wise. She took it, gave it to Adam, and, and they both hid. We saw Achan. He saw the items. There was a Babylonian garment. There was some gold. There was some, some other things on the ground. He saw it. He wanted it. The word was used. There was coveted. He, he wanted it for himself. He took it and then hid it in his tent. And then we saw David, saw Bathsheba, and he wanted her. And if he just could have gone back in, but he didn't. And he took her, and then he tried to hide it. And one of the great things about the life of David is he dealt with his sin. We talked about it last week. What did he do when he sinned? Now, he may have waited a long time. That's one of the problems. When you sin, what are you supposed to do? Confess it, and confess it immediately. I mean, let's say it, that the moment you realize in your life Day in and day out, that there's a bad thought that that you've you've already gone from seeing warning to, and you're taking. You got to confess it. You got to confess it right then, because he's faithful and just to do what? Two things: forgive you and cleanse you. Okay. Now David, we think, took about a year, and and it wasn't until Nathan the prophet confronted him, because that baby that was conceived was about a year old when all this happened. And so we read Psalm 32. And Psalm 51 are the Psalms that David wrote when he confessed his sin. So wasn't David a great man? And the Bible still calls him a man after God's own heart. And the Bible says that David was the great king of Israel and that Jesus Christ is the son of David. Even though he blew it, that blowing it, having sin, messing up, isn't the end of anything. God can take you right where you are. There are people who we messed up and they go, well, I'm through or God's through with me. He'll never use me. As long as he's got you on this earth and you are alive, he will use you for, for his glory if you let him. And so that's why he says, confess it. So David saw Bathsheba. He wanted her, took her. He had all of those were failures. And think about this. Adam and Eve were blessed with authority, position, and power. I mean, let's face it, they control the world. David, I mean, Adam was the king of the world. He was the king of the world. God put him on the earth, put him there and said, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. He was the king of the world. And Eve, they had this authority, this position, this power. No wonder they were tempted by the devil to be God. He said, you can be God. Listen, if you do anything for Jesus Christ, if you stand for Jesus Christ, if you know the grace message and you're going to present the grace message, if you know the Bible and you're going to give the truths out of the Bible, if you, want, if you want to share your faith with somebody, I guarantee you just get ready for the attacks because you're standing strong. And whenever you stand strong, Satan, the fallen world, the whole everything hates you. Jesus said, if they hated me, they'll what? They hate you. So listen, don't think we're going to go through life and not have attacks because the more you stand for Christ, the more the attacks are going to come. Just face that. So no wonder they were tempted. Think about this. If even a perfect environment can fail, and if David, a man after God's own heart, can fail, what does that tell us? What does that tell us? We're capable. Take heed lest we think we stand, we what? We fall. I mean, you can't go through life saying, I'm not, I'm not going to do that, or I would never do that, or I would never. Let me just say this. The moment you say, I would never do something, you open the door. Because what you've done is you've taken down the guard. You've said, I would never do that. You know, tell him what you'll do. In fact, what we say all the time, if you put us in the wrong place at the wrong time, we will do what? The wrong thing. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. So take heed. You know, when temptation comes, we can fail, yield, sin, or we can have victory. Trust God and not sin. Let's think about a famous man in the Old Testament. His name is Joseph. If you think about it, God chose Abraham. Abraham had, a son, had two sons, but who's the famous son? Abraham's son was 
Abraham's son was? Isaac, okay? And Isaac had uh, two sons, but the famous one that we always talk about, Isaac had Jacob. Okay, Jacob had how many sons? Twelve sons. So when we start thinking about it, one of those twelve sons of Jacob was a man by the name of Joseph. And... I mean, there, you know, Joseph in the coat of many colors, and there's been a plays and things all about his life. He was a he was an amazing person. One of the few people in the Bible that uh, that other than the other than the time that he told all his family, "You all gonna bow down to me," which is sort of a little prideful thing, but it was true. Uh, you, you don't have any recorded part of where Joseph is sinning. You don't have recorded part where Joseph sinned, and the same thing for Daniel. Now Daniel, in the in the when he confesses this, you know, confesses in chapters ten, eleven, and twelve of Daniel. Daniel says he was confessing his sins and the nation. So Daniel says, "I'm a sinner." J- Joseph, uh, I mean, if you said to Joseph and said, "Joseph, you think it was a wise thing to tell all your family that they're all going to bow down to you?" He'd probably said, "Probably not." But anyway, uh, th- th- he is a great one. So let's think about the background. Jacob had twelve sons. And the next to the last son was Joseph. Joseph was favored. Uh, and it was tough, tough on a family when one of the children are favored. So let's think about it. Jacob, Jacob got married, and uh, he, had, uh, he saw a, a woman, her name was Rachel, and he said, this is the woman I want. And so he went to her daddy, his, was Laban, and said, I'm willing to work for her. He said, if you'll work seven years, you can have Rachel. And she was beautiful. She was everything you want. He said, man, oh man, oh man. The years went by so fast, it just seemed like it wasn't any time. And when he got ready to get married, the whole ceremony, everything's covered up. The whole thing, they get to, he wakes up, and that's not Rachel. It's Leah. Now, it says sad eyes. It doesn't mean Leah wasn't pretty. It just means that she didn't, she didn't shine. She wasn't, you know, like Rachel's one of those people that you just go, whoa, what a, what a person. Well, Leah wasn't that way. And he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is not the right one. And he went back to Laban and said, I, uh, I think there's been a mistake. Okay? And he said, yeah, hey, I forgot to tell you, in our culture, we don't marry off the old, the, we always marry off the older daughter before the younger daughter. Sorry. Oh, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I wanted Rachel. He said, okay, here's what you can do. You work seven more years, you get Rachel. However, you don't have to wait the seven years. You can have Rachel right now, and then you keep working for me for seven more years. And so he did. And they had all these kids because Rachel and Leah had children, and then they had handmaids that have children. And what developed out of that were the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 sons. Now, here's the deal. Uh, he loved Rachel. He produced children with all of these people. But when she finally had a child, it was Joseph. And he loved Joseph. And so, and then he had another son later named Benjamin, which was Benamai when he was married, which son of sorrow, but he changed the name because she died when that baby was born. And he called him Benjamin, son of my right hand. So he had Joseph. And Joseph was his favorite one. You can imagine, out of all the wives, he had one favorite one. Out of all the kids, he had one favorite one. Now, the bad thing about that was it messed everything else up because it says he was favored by his father but disliked by his brothers because there were two different times. One time, all the guys were talking, and he said, hey, by the way, fellas, to the rest of the brothers, I had a dream. I had a dream that we were out in these stacks of wheat, and my stack stood up, and all y'all's stacks bowed down to me. And they went, who do you think? You're the youngest one, and you don't know anything, and you think we're going to all bow down to you? Let me ask you a question. Did they bow down to him? 
They all came and bowed down to him when they were in Egypt. They didn't even know it was him, but they bowed down before him. And then he came and told his daddy. He said, I had this dream, and stars and moon and 12 things, everything bowed down to me. And Jacob said, you think we're going to all bow down to you? And they did. But anyway, it was a picture, and so they didn't like him. And so one day, they're all out at a place. We're not even sure exactly where they were. And Daddy said to Joseph, go find your brothers, take them some food, find out how they're doing. So he's on the way, and they see him. And they say, here he comes. Here comes the dreamer. Here comes the guy that makes us look like idiots. He thinks he knows everything. He's got that special coat that his, da- that his daddy gave him. You know, that's how- So he gets closer, and they decide, we're going to kill him. And then they said, no, we better not kill him. That probably won't be the best thing to do. So the oldest one, Reuben said, no, no let's, let's don't kill him. Let's throw him in a hole. Because what he's planned to do was they're going to throw him in a hole, and then everybody's going to kind of do something, and he's going to come back and get him out of the hole later. That's what his plan was. So they threw him in the hole. And then they got this idea while Reuben left. Here come these Ishmaelites heading to Egypt on a caravan. And they said, we don't want to kill him. Let's just sell him off. So they pulled him up out of the well, 30 pieces of silver, and sold him off. Reuben comes back and goes, hey. He's not in the well. Yeah, we sold him. They went, sold him? What are we going to do when we get back to Daddy? I don't know. So they took the coat, and they killed an animal, and they put blood all over the coat, and they came back to Daddy, and they said, is this your son, not not our brother, is this your son's coat? He went, oh, yeah, oh, no. I guess that animal killed him. And Jacob said, I will go down to my grave in sorrow. My favorite son is dead. What happened to Joseph? Well, they took him, and these Ishmaelites came to Egypt. And when they got to Egypt, they sold him. Look at chapter 39, look at verse 1 of Genesis. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Now, think about that. He, uh, in general, he becomes a servant. He's, he's sold into slavery. Now, think about this. What do you think if you're Joseph? Uh, I, I thought I was supposed to be pretty important because everybody's going to be bound down to me, and now I'm a servant. But Joseph's a smart man. Joseph is a godly man. Joseph says, wherever God puts me, what am I going to do? The very best I can do. Listen, what, where does God put us? Every one of us in this room are at a particular place at a particular time in our lives. How do we look at our lives? God's through with me. I'm too old. Oh, I'm too young. I'm too tired. I don't want to do... Or do we say, God, this is where you have me at this time. I want to be faithful to serve you wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. That's what we're supposed to do. But too often we all quit. We say, I'm too old or I'm too young. I'm too tired. I don't like this. I don't like this situation. Why does my leg have to hurt all the time? How come this happened to me? How come, the, how come this happened? And so we quit. Instead of saying, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'm there. So look what it says, verse 2. The Lord, what? The Lord was with Joseph. So he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Look, he became, the Lord was with Joseph. What does that mean? That means because Joseph basically says, I'm going to do my job. I'm a slave. 
I didn't ever want to be a slave, but now I'm in the slave of a very powerful man. This is the captain of the bodyguard to Pharaoh, which means he's one of the most powerful men in all Egypt. He's one of the most richest men in Egypt. He's got a big household, and I'm now in that household, and he's so good at what he does that Potiphar says, I mean, you are amazing. It seems like everything you do turns out right. I want you to run my household. I want you to take care of everything. You're going to be the man. And it says, the Lord was with Joseph, so he became successful, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. By the way, God is always with us. It says, the Lord is with Joseph. Is the Lord with you? Did he say, I'll never leave you or forsake you? What should you fear? Should we ever be afraid wherever God has us? Is he with us? Sometimes we think, oh, no, this is such a horrible situation. God says, it's not that horrible. I'm right here with you, right? He's always with us. Look what it goes on to say. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. He said, you're going to be the top man. He made him overseer over the whole house and all that he owned he put into charge. Good gracious, he moved up. He went from uh, a slave brought in on a, on a camel to being now the top servant in the Pharaoh's guard's household. I mean, that's amazing. Why? Why? Because he is faithful and because God was with him. Guess what? If you're faithful, of course, God is always what? He's with us, right? Let's be faithful. Be faithful wherever he puts us. Verse 6, so he left everything he owned into Joseph's charge and with him there was not anything concerning himself with anything except the food that he ate. He said, listen, Joseph was blessed. It's already said that Joseph was blessed by God. And verse 5 says that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house, that blessed Joseph, uh, the Lord blessed everything. And so he said, finally said, listen, you got, you're, you're, you're number one man in my household. In fact, the only, only thing I even concerned about is whatever I eat, because a lot of times people want to kill the main guy, so i got to watch what I eat so nobody doesn't poison it. But everything else is in your charge. Your charge. You ever thought about the guy that a king or an important person has to be the taster? I mean, your job is to taste the food. If you die, the king, you know, he doesn't eat it. So you, you're going, I'll try these, the spaghetti. Okay, you know, but who knows what's going to happen to you, you know. Joseph was not the taster. Everything else went to somebody else. Look at the end of verse 6, because the Bible doesn't usually talk about these things, but look at this. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. What does that mean? That means he was a handsome man and he had a good body. He was like an athletic-looking person. I mean, he's just one of those guys. And so you say, okay, why would God... Put that in there. Because, see, when we first meet Rachel, if you go back to the Scripture, when you first meet Rachel, and she comes out, uh, uh, he looks up, uh, you know, Jacob looks up and goes, and the Bible says she was beautiful in form and appearance. It says it. There's a point there to be made. There's a point here to be made. Why would he tell us that Jacob, that Joseph is a really handsome guy and looks really good? Because here's what's going to happen. You're exactly right. Verse 7. Now, it came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph and said, lie with me. Okay, he was such a good steward. Watch. Potiphar's wife, the progression, she saw it. What did she see? She saw this guy. She went, who's this guy? Now, let me, t- let me say this. What, 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 does, uh, what does Potiphar do all day long? 
He's the captain of the guards. He's around Pharaoh. He's, he's, he's army. He's checking everything out. He's not home during the day. Now, he has a big household. Who runs the household? Joseph runs the household. What does the wife do all day? Who knows? Whatever she wants. What did you say, Maxine? Whatever she wanted to do. Probably eat, you know, eat some chocolates and watch some TV and things like that. Who knows? Who knows what she does? But what happens here? It says she saw him and looked at him with desire and said, lie with me. Now, she doesn't even beat around the bush, right? She comes up to him and says, I see you. I want you. Let's, let's go. But she desired, she saw the desire, and she wanted to take. Now, what would you do if you were Joseph? Well, I mean, you think she looked okay? What do you think? You think she was a hag? Or you think she looked pretty good? I, listen, she, she's married to one of the most powerful men in all of Egypt. I guarantee you she's not an, an ugly woman. She's probably beautiful. And, and she comes to him and says, I've got an idea. Let's do this. Joseph most likely saw and went, I've been a slave a long time, right? But what did he do? He stopped the progression. Look at verse 8 and 9. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he's put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I am, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you're his wife. How could I do this great evil and sin against what? God. I want you to notice there were four things. Three, we're going to see the first three. Joseph said no based on the word of God. He already knew. It's wrong. It's, wrong. it's been wrong. It's been, he's a Jewish person. He knows what the scripture says. It's wrong to, to have sex outside of marriage. To be, you know. Second, he was accountable not only to a master but to God. He said, my master has put me in charge of all this. How could I do something like this? And Joseph realized that all sin is against God. Notice, he said, there's no one greater in his house than me except... How could I do this great evil and sin against God? So he starts off by saying, first of all, no. Second is, I'm accountable to the boss, which is my master. And I'm also accountable to God. And I realize that when I do wrong, I'm actually sinning against God. And see, sometimes we don't always think that whenever we do wrong, it's directly against God. Because it is. Because everything that's right or wrong comes from him, right? He says, this is what's right, this is what's wrong. Now, there's one more thing that he does, and, and we, can't, we hadn't got to it yet. But look at verse 10. As she spoke to Joseph day after day, he did not listen to her to lie down beside her or to be with her. So he said, I'm not going to listen. This didn't happen one time. This wasn't a one-time deal where she said, oh, by the way, here's what I got an idea. And he said, no, th no, thank you. This was every day. So one day, what did she do? She gets everybody out of the house. In verse 12, she caught him by his garment and said, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and he fled and went outside. What did he do? She said, lie with me. And what did he do? He left. He got away from the temptation. What have we been saying? God says he will provide a way of escape. Take heed lest you think you stand, you fall. Flee youthful lust. He got out. When the temptation came, one of the key ways to deal with temptation is to what? Get away from it. Get out. You know, you know what she did? She started screaming and told everybody that he tried to rape her. Look, here's his coat. How did she get his coat? He was running out and she pulled it off of him. And now she's telling everybody and 
Guess who comes home? Potiphar. What do you think he's going to do? What would you think Potiphar would do with a slave that tried to rape his wife? Kill him immediately. What does Potiphar do? Potiphar puts him in prison. Potiphar doesn't kill him. You know why? I think Potiphar knew his wife. I think Potiphar said, oh, not another one. Okay, going into prison. You know, who knows? Who knows? But it's strange that Potiphar doesn't immediately kill Joseph because he had that power. That's what we're saying. Maybe Joseph wasn't the first one. We don't know. But we know this. He fled, and, and, as you, and he got thrown into prison, and we know what happened there. He was in prison, and then that's when the two guys had the dream, and he eventually went to see Pharaoh and told the dream about the, the, the seven years and everything. But what did Joseph do? He, when he saw it, he stopped. When he saw her, he said, she looks good, but I'm not going to do that because it's wrong. I'm accountable to God and to others, and all sin is against God. And eventually, he didn't listen. He got out of there. So we must say no based on the word. We must realize we're accountable to God and others. We must realize sin is against God, and we must flee. That's the, that's the only way you're going to have victory. You've got to get away from the temptation. So I know time, uh, we got just about a, a minute or two, but I want you to look at this. Expect temptation. Expect it. Answer me. Where does this come from? Where does temptation come from? Okay. You could say all three, but the bottom line is it's a Satan controlling a world system that affects our what? That's really coming from us. As we see in James chapter 1, he says that when we're tempted, we're not tempted by God, but we're tempted by our flesh, and our flesh gives up, and it goes into sin. Sin goes to death. That's what we see. So it, the word comes from, and second, is know the progression. You see it. Then what? You want it. Then what? You take it. You do it, whatever it is. And then you what? You try to hide it. That's what we do. So what we got to do is we got to stop it, right? And so let's learn ways to deal with temptation. Say no. Listen, right on the fact, you know things are right and wrong. Realize that you're accountable to others and to God. Listen, when you sin, you don't sin in a vacuum, do you? Doesn't it affect other people? We always talk about that, and we're accountable to God. The third one is that sin is against God. That's what makes it so terrible. Because what we're saying to the one who died for us and rose again and loves us with an unconditional, everlasting love, we're saying to him, I want to do what I want to do, not what you want me to do. And his love never changes. And last but not least, get out. Get away. Whatever it is. I'm going to tell this quick story. I had this friend this a long time ago, so it's not anybody you know. I had this friend that started working in an office, and there was a woman that they hired after he started working in the office. And they became friends. And then they started working on projects together. And then it became almost like they were just really close. And I, he began to have these things like, wow, you know, my wife, I mean, I'm used to her, but this is exciting and new. And, all the, and I actually talked to him, and he came to me, this is a long time ago, and he said, what should I do? I said, well, you either, you, you're going to have to leave that job. You're going to have to get away. You're going to have to get another job. You cannot go into that situation every day because eventually you're going to mess up. Or I said, or either she's got to leave You've got to do something because if you keep in that situation, you're going to mess up because the temptation is there every day, every day. I knew a 
pastor friend that had a secretary that he was really close to. And they were in the car one day, and the guy's wife was in the back seat, and his secretary was beside him, and he turned around and said something to his wife. And when he did, his hand touched his secretary's hand, and she took the other hand, and they held hands, and that started their affair. So when the situation comes, what do you do? You get out as quickly as you can. If it means losing a job, changing a job, doing something, whatever it means, you cannot put yourself in those situations.